the flow of the parashi is that is the beginning of Parsha's Vayesha, which starts discussing, as Rashi describes, the story of where Yaakov and his children settled. And the end of Parsha's Vayishlach, just before it, in which it discusses the story of Esav and his children and how they settled and where they settled, all the way to the kings of Edom and the chiefs of Ed Esav that followed, Chazal explained with the following marshal. A marshal of a king that had a pearl and it was inside the, the earth, the dust and the pebbles. And the king needs to search amongst the dirt and the pebbles to get the pearl out. When the king finally gets to the pearl, he puts all of the earth, the pebbles aside, and he's now dealing only with the pearl. So too in our case, that the only way to get to the story of Yaakov, to the places where Yaakov settled, is only if we were first describe, at least briefly, regarding that which happened to Esau and his children. And as the Medrash goes on to say, that we find the same thing in regards to the ten generations from Adam to Noyach, and the ten generations from Noyach to Avram, that regarding them, the Torah says, without a great arichus, without elaborating much, really just describes those ten generations very briefly, and when we finally get to the pearl, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, this is where Torah starts elaborating. So we need to understand, seemingly, the marshal doesn't seem to completely fit in our particular case. By the previous examples, that is, from Adam to Noyach, since there is a big separation, ten generations in between them, so too between Noyach and Avram, so the Torah needs to at least very briefly enumerate and explain what's going on there, all of the, those generations until we come to the main point, first in the case of Noyach, and then in the case of Avram. This would be more like the Moshal, that since the pearl is hidden within the earth, within the sand, so we need to go ahead and look at the sand until we find the pearl. Whereas by Yaakov, he is the son of Yitzchak. So seemingly we can go straight from Yitzchak to Yaakov. Why do we need to go searching in Esav and his children in order to be able to describe and to find Yaakov and his children? Says the Rebbe, in regards to the things that happened to Esav, which are at least somehow connected to Yaakov, like for example the story of the brachis that Yitzchak gives and similar things, at least in those things we could have to say that in those areas Yaakov is, so to speak, hidden, mixed with the dirt, with the sand of Esav. So we need, must discuss the things that happened with Esav in order to know and to reach that which happened to Yaakov. Even the story at the end of Ayishlach, where Esav is settling permanently in Harseir, we could say, as the Maharal explains, that this too is relevant to the story of where Yaakov settles, because only after Esau conquers Seir, and he settles in Seir, now we could say that Yaakov is the one and only, Yoyrish, the one and only heir of Eretz Yisrael, and this is the whole purpose of the story of Yaakov and his children settling, to tell us about everything that transpired until they finally settled. However, says the Rebbe, in addition to the fact that even then it's not completely easy to understand and smooth, because in the marshal it seems to be that the pearl is actually hidden inside the dust and we need to go searching for it. Whereas based on the explanation we just said, at the very most, these stories that happened to Esau are connected to Yaakov. But to be able to say that they're actually mixed with, that Yaakov and Esau are mixed together, 
even if they're, we're saying that they're mixed in some way as far as the where they're settling, but it's not, you wouldn't say that Yaakov is hidden within Esav, like in the case of the pearls inside the sand, where you need to look and you need to search for Yaakov within the story of Esav. Furthermore, the Rebbe says it's not understood. The Pasuk enumerates also the children and the chiefs of Esav where they settled, all the way to the kings of Edom, which rule before there is a Melech by Bnei Yisrael. And that's basically going till the time of Shaul HaMelech. We have the chiefs of Esav, which come after the time that Hadad passes away, and when they no longer have Melucha. So these things seemingly are completely in no way connected and mixed with the things that Yaakov and the places where Yaakov and his children are settling. So why is all of that relevant? We also need to understand, says the Rebbe, a number of details in the Moshal to understand what they would be in the Nimshal. Number one, what are the two details of Ofer, the sand, and the Tsuroiros, the pebbles? Number two, why is it important to emphasize that when the king finds the pearl, he sort of puts away, leaves aside all of the sand and the pebbles, and he's now involved only in the pearl, seemingly this would be completely self-understood. That as soon as the pearl is found, we're obviously only going to be dealing with the pearl. So it should have just said briefly, as soon as the king gets to the pearl, he's dealing just with the pearl. From the arichos of the wording in the marshal, it's obvious that even after he finds the pearl, there still needs to be some special activity that he's doing, that he's putting down the rest of the sand, etc., in order to be able to properly deal with the pearl. Another point, says the Rebbe, we discussed many, many times that in Peter Shrashi Alatoida there's very, very amazing deep in Yonim that are hinted, and the Rebbe says, we see over here in Rashi, where he also quotes this Medrash, the Moshal of the Medrash, but at the same time he makes a number of changes. Number one, instead of the Medrash's words, Lafash for searching in the sand, etc., Rashi says, looking, feeling the sand, the koivroi and he's sifting it with a sifter. Now, this detail of sifting it with a sifter is mentioned in the Medrash elsewhere, where this marshal is also brought, but there the marshal is brought in a completely different style. Rashi is not quoting that marshal seemingly at all, other than these, these words of sifting it in the sifter. So, why is that relevant? Number two. Rashi brings also the two ideas of sand and pebbles, but here Rashi makes a change. In the beginning of the Moshal, where the pearl falls down into the sand, and that the, that the person is looking for the pearl, in both of these cases, in the beginning of the Moshal, Rashi only mentions sand, doesn't mention pebbles at all. At the end of the Moshal, where Rashi is speaking about the fact that once he finds the pearl, he throws away the rest, here Rashi is not mentioning the sand, Rashi is only mentioning he throws away the pebbles. Another thing that Rebbe says we need to understand is the last part of the Moshal that Rashi brings is going to be again different slightly to the way the Medrash brings it, where Rashi uses the term Mashlichas Atzroidis, he throws away the pebbles rather than the word Hiniach. The Maral says the Rebbe explains. The fact that Rashi does not mention sand at the end of the marshal, again, he only mentions that he throws away the pebbles. So the Maharal says, because this is coming to explain why the Pasuk does not, any, does not speak any more about Esav. After we start discussing all the stories of Yaakov, 
because all of the things that happen later where Ace of settles, etc., are totally not relevant anymore to the story of where Yaakov settles, similar to the pebbles that are going to be thrown out. And this is why they are called specifically pebbles once we get to this point of the marshal, because everything else that happens with Esav was really never mixed properly with Yaakov anyways. It's never mixed part of Yaakov's story. Just like the pebbles that really never mix with the pearl, the only thing they could you could say it's really mixed together is when the pebble is inside the sand. However, the Rebbe says, this Pirish is not understood. Because, in addition to the fact, then there's absolutely no Chiddush at all in the fact that he throws away the pebbles, because once, as Maharal says, he starts speaking about Yaakov, he's not speaking, he's not speaking about Esav, so it's obvious that that's, in other words, this point is clear from the beginning of the Marshall already. That once he's searching in the sand, he only searches in the sand until he finds the pebbles. So there's no point even of mentioning this idea of throwing away the pebbles. But in addition to this, according to the Mairalo would come out, that even before you found a pearl, it was never, you, you never really have to look amongst those pebbles, because as the Mairalo puts it, the pearl never really mixes with the rocks, with the pebbles. But from Rashi's wording, that only once he finds it, he finds the pearl, this is when he throws away the pebbles, it seems to be quite obvious that before the pearls are found, it is mixed with those pebbles. And in the Medrash, it's definitely clear. It says that the pebble is inside the offer and inside the tzeroiros, inside of those pebbles. He needs to search in the sand and in the pebbles. Says the Rebbe, the explanation of all of this is, the whole purpose of Yaakov settling Yeshuva Yaakov is not only about where Yaakov is settling and his children in the land of Eretz Yisrael right now in this story. But rather, as Yaakov tells Esau, until I will come to my master in Seir. Which means, as Rashi himself tells us, the time when it will be fulfilled a promise in the times of Mashiach, and this is really what Chazal is speaking about in the Moshul, that it's a Moshul compared to the pearl. We're speaking mainly of here, not so much where Yaakov himself is settling, which... As we said before, regarding this, we wouldn't be able to say that Yaakov's story is really hidden in the story of Esau and his children. But rather we're speaking about the whole Shlemus and Tachlis to which Yaakov needs to reach eventually the time when he comes to say you're in the times of Mashiach. And since to be able to reach this, this is Davka and the Avoida when we're dealing with Esau and his children, as we will soon explain, this is why we say that the tachlis of Shlemus of Yaakov is really hidden within Esav. In other words, Yaakov is going to be, going to come to his Shlemus, Davkez, from being within Esav, as we'll soon see. And now we'll be able to understand why the Torah specifically enumerates Esav and his children all the way to the Malchayedon, all the way to the King Adar, which is in the time of Shaul HaMelech, reaches up to the time of Shaul HaMelech, because Shaul was called Mashiach Hashem, the anointed by Hashem. And if the Yidin would have been Zoycha, would have been able to be fulfilled already right then, the Olu Moishi and Bahar Tzion, Says that but now we can start understanding the two ideas of the Moshal, of the offer, the sand, and the Tzroiris, the pebbles. Because when we speak about Lishpaitis Haresav, dealing with Esav, trying to judge Esav, to elevate, to refine, there are generally two ways. One way is, how Esav is going to be refined in the way the way it's going to be regarding a number of nations 
who are going to be transformed to good, as the Pesach says, that all the nations are going to be calling out in the name of Hashem and serving Hashem, etc. So there's also hinted in the Maimur Chazal that said, that the Chazir will become purified. We know that the Chazir is a remez to Malchus Edo, which is Esav. So there are certain elements of Esav that could be refined and purified and elevated. On the other hand, there's aspects of Esav which are ragomer, which are completely bad. And these are things that need to be destroyed completely. As the Pesach says, The house of Yaakov will be compared to fire. Beis Yosef will be compared to a flame. And Beis Esav will be like the straw, which will be completely destroyed with nothing left over. Says the Rebbe, these are the two ideas of the offer and the tzereiros. The sand is something that's, yes, it's blocking, it's concealing, it's hiding. And in our case, it's blocking and hiding the pearl. But it's not something that's the absolute evil. It's a kind of rods, it's a kind of klipa that can still be transformed into good. We could still have some sort of benefit out of it. This is sort of similar to the idea of a klipa, of a peel or a shell that's protecting the fruit. So there's still some benefit from it. This is like we say, The foreigners, the goyim are going to get up there and assist you, are going to take care of your sheep. But then there's the idea of tsuroiris, the rocks, the pebbles. This is something that's not only concealing, but it's something that doesn't really have any benefit or use. Further, and not only it doesn't have benefit or use, but furthermore, it's actually something harmful. We find a number of times in Shas regarding the damages that a behemoth does about kicking rocks, kicking pebbles, damaging things. So these, this represents a kind of klipa that needs to be completely destroyed. Now we know that Yaakov is going to reach his tachlis and shleimus when it will be fulfilled what the Pesach says regarding Yaakov and Esau. Verav Ya'avid Tzoyer. The older one will serve the younger one. That Esau will ultimately serve Yaakov. And that's going to be when Lishpet is Har Esau. What's the reason why Esau is being called the Rav? The older one or the greater one? And that the Shleimus of Yaakov is dependent on this time when Verav Yaavit Sawyer, when Esav is going to be assisting Yaakov, says that this is similar to the idea that we know that we have the Medaber, a person is the highest thing in creation, and yet he needs to come on to eating things of the animal kingdom, the plants, inanimate objects, so that he could live and do what he needs to do. And the Rebbe says the same thing over here is regarding Verav Yaavit Sawyer. That the shoyrish of Esav is higher than the shoyrish of Yaakov. Esav is the Bechoyr. It's explained in Kabbalah and Chesidus that Esav, he is rooted in the world of Olam Atoyu, which is higher than the level of Yaakov, which is Olam Atikun. And by Yaakov going ahead and refining and elevating those sparks of Kedusha from Olam Atoyu, which are in Esav, when he elevates them to their shoyrish, then Yaakov himself gains, he himself is elevated. The level of Tikkun is elevated, he comes to his Tachlis and Shlemus. In fact, says the Rebbe, now we have another reason, besides what we discussed earlier, why the Pasuk is mentioning all of these kings that are ruling before the Melech Lebanai Yisrael, because this is hinting again to the same idea of the special Milo that Yaakov is going to reach, specifically through elevating Esav, as it's known that the kings of Edom are rooted in these levels of kings, the spheres of Olam Atoyu, which are ruling before there's a Melech Bnei Yisrael, meaning that they're higher than the Darga of Bnei Yisrael, because they and their Shoresh are preceding, they're higher the level of Tikkun, the level of Bnei Yisrael, Yisrael. Says the Rebbe, here we have a Hayrati Yidin in the time of Golos. The descent in Golos, especially this last Golos, Golos Edoim, 
which as quoted before, this is what we're referring to in the Medrash and Rashi, Yeshuvei Esav, Esav. The happenings and the settling of Esav and his children is also that we should be able to refine and elevate the sparks that are in those Gashmiyazdika things. And through this, the Nisham is elevated to even higher than its original root. Because I said before, the root of the sparks are an Oilam which is higher than the root of the Nisham, which is an Oilam and this avoid of bitter on is Chazal are hinting to with a marshal of the pearl that's found inside of the dust and inside of the pearls, inside of the pebbles. The pearls, the pearl is obviously a marshal on the spark of holiness that had fallen down into the dust and the pebbles. The dust and the pebbles are the two types of Inyanim Gashmim, which are the dust representing Dvarim Gashmim, which are only concealing, covering over the sparks of Kedusha, over the pearl. And in this is things that through Avoida we could refine, we could, could elevate these sparks to their root. On the other hand, the pebbles represent those kind of things that are completely raw, completely bad. To the extent that some of them we can never take out through a regular Avoida, the spark of holiness inside of them. In other words, of course they also have a spark of holiness, a pearl inside of them, because otherwise they wouldn't be able to exist. But it's so concealed that we can't deal with it at all. And these things we need to completely push away. We need to completely throw away. Says the Rebbe, but after we find the pearl, before we can actually start dealing with it, we need to make sure to offer to put aside all the dust, etc. In other words, that we need to show the idea that all of these Gashmi is like things by themselves on their own. If not for the pearl have completely no significance whatsoever. And the only reason why I was dealing with them was only to get out the sparks of good and holiness that was hidden inside of it. Says the Rebbe, this is why it is relevant in the Marshall to say that he put away and moved aside all the dust. This is relevant for dealing with the pearl. We asked before, why is it relevant to speak about it? Obviously, he's not going to deal with the dust anymore. And the idea being is, because when the Gashmi is the things, actually take up some space in your mind actually have some sort of significance, then you not only won't you be able to take out the spark out of it, but furthermore it's possible that by dealing with these Gashmi, these things, it's actually going to cause a Yerida in the Neshama. Only when, when a person is eating and drinking and all of his Gashmi, things, everything he gets involved in, is in a way that he's maniach, he puts it all aside, he lets go of all of those dust and pebbles. Then he's able to refine those sparks properly, and that will be pile of great ilui in his neshama, as said before. Says the Rebbe, now we can understand the changes that Rashi makes, with which this he's explaining and hinting in Yenusha, Toysha, and Rashi, the details of the Seder Avoida in Avoidas Habirurim. And the Rebbe explains, the main Avoida of Birarani Tzoytis, as said before, is in the Choyl, in the sand, not in the pebbles. Those are the ones that in a regular way we cannot elevate. We cannot get to the pearls inside of those. And therefore the first thing as Rashi says is Adam and Mashmesh Bechoyl is feeling around in the sand. You have to feel around, you have to figure out, you have to search the place where the pearl could be found, which is a place of sand. And not looking in the place amongst the pebbles where you're not going to be able to find the pearl in a way that you'll be able to elevate it. Then, once we are ready, sift went through the sand that was previously mixed of good and bad. There was the spark inside of it. So now that we started dealing with elevating the spark, we take it and we sift it through that sifter. That means we completely need to separate between the good and the bad so that we're finding and we're removing and completely separating that pearl, the godly spark, the holy spark that was there. And then Rashi says, 
Like the Medrash, we need to make sure that once I find it, we throw away those pebbles. We need to throw away the, any of the bad, of the evil, of the waste. And what are we referring to over here? We're referring to over here not only what we thought said before is the pebbles which never had any good to start with, but now the Rebbe is saying, even the sand that I separated now from that pearl, now that's also being called seroides, that's also being called pebbles, meaning that's also part of that which is just bad now and we need to get rid of. In other words, as long as we didn't separate the good from the bad, so these dvarim gashmim, these gashmis, the things were still on the level which we called sand. In other words, it was just covering over the godly spark, but it wasn't bad, it wasn't evil. But once we sifted it through, once we separated all the good from the bad, that itself now changed and transformed that sand into the level of tsuroiris, like those pebbles that need to be completely thrown out. Because now it doesn't have any good in Kedusha, and therefore it's ragam or it's complete bad. In Avoidas Adam, what this means is that the only way to really proper elevate something, Gashmi is the thing, is only when we approach it with the attitude that the Dvarim Gashmim on their own have absolutely no significance whatsoever. And that therefore, as soon as we find a pearl, we completely put aside the dust and all of the rest. And the, and what we're recognizing is, in other words, that if not for these godly sparks, all they are is complete seroiros, like the things that are completely, absolutely evil. And therefore, as soon as he finds it, he actually throws it away. And only in that way could he properly take the pearl, as Chazal say in a different place, a similar idea regarding eating a fruit, that it's a Gemara about Rabbi Meir, that he eats the inside and he throws away the peel. But eating the inside, that is connected with throwing away the pill. In order to be able to eat it properly, that's by throwing away that which you don't need. Says the Rebbe, this Avoid of Biranit started mainly with the Avoid of Yaakov. Because through him specifically started the main Achonat Matan Torah. Just like the Pashtos that Golis Mitzrayim was a preparation for Matan Torah. And that started with Yaakov and his children going down to Mitzrayim. What was the Chiddush of Matan Torah? Bringing down a level of elikus which is completely higher than oilamois. And only through that could you cause the proper bitter elevation of the world in a way that you completely throw away all of those tsroirois, all of those gashmis, the things which are not kedusha. Because, why, would, why do we need that earth that's higher than oilamois? Because as far as the earth that's clothed in the world, as far as a level of elikus that's still, that's still connected to the world, so world, so to speak, still takes up some space, has some sort of significance. The avoided that we're speaking about, if you really want to get rid of everything, you need to make sure that the Gashmi doesn't have any space, doesn't take up any space and is insignificant completely. And that will specifically come only from an oil that's higher completely from the Oilomois, compared to which the Oilom has absolutely no Tfisas Mokoim, and that will give us the Koyach to be able to do the avoid Says the Rebbe, this is why Rashi brings the marshal to the, of the pearl, specifically by in our parsha by Yaakov. Not by Noach and Avram, which we mentioned before, that technically is a similar idea. Because even though it's true that by them and through them, they also accomplish a certain level of biruramitsoitsis. Noach elevated the ten generations that, be, that were before him. And similarly, and even more so, Avram to his ten generations. But it was, in a, was not in a way of completely throwing away the tsuroiris throwing away those pebbles and taking the pearl, meaning that even after the bitter, the world still remains somewhat of a Matthias.
as the Rebbe will soon explain. But nevertheless, Rashi does bring about those ten generations between from Noach and Avram, and in connection to this marshal of the pearl, to hint that it's only after the bitter of Noach and Avram now we can have the bitter of Yaakov. And the Rebbe explains. Noach accomplished a bitter in the matters that are connected to the world. In other words, before Noach and Noach's avoided, the world was filled with corruption. Noach, through his avoider, achieves that the world should be a proper world. He sees a new world. And therefore, the Abish makes a Christmas bris with him that the world is now going to exist, that all the seasons are going to continue, and so on and so forth. Avram Avinu brings about something even more than that. There should be Gili Elikus in the world. Not only the world should exist, but godliness should be felt in the world. Avram Avinu goes around by Hashem calling out in the name of Hashem. The Rebbe says that this is also includes the idea that the Shavah Mitzvah's B'nai Noach should be done not only because human logic dictates so, but because the Eibishter says so. Once we have these two things, we can now come to the bitter of Yaakov, the preparation of Matan Torah, which is going to achieve, drawing down a level of Elikus that's completely higher than Oilamois, and that's the way we're going to be able to be Mavadar the world in the absolute Shlemus. Says the Rebbe, just like by the bitter and choices of every individual Yid and his Avoida, it needs to be in a way that the moment you find that pearl, you throw away all the rest. So too is true regarding the Klal Yisrael. The general idea of Golos is for the purpose of elevating the sparks through Klal Yisrael in all times and places of Golos, as mentioned earlier. And as it says regarding Golos Mitzrayim, that when they're finished, they go out with great wealth, which is referring to the Nitzutzis Kedusha, the sparks of holiness that they took out of there. And therefore, as soon as the time of Golis Mitzrayim ends, meaning the time that they found the pearl, that they had all the sparks, then terrifying, like in the blink of an eye, they go out of Mitzrayim immediately. Seemingly, you could ask, what's the rush? If the enslavement is over already, the Yidden are in the best part of Mitzrayim in the land of Goshen, so what's so terrible staying another little while in Goshen? But the answer is that that's the way Bidur Hanitzoytus works, as we just explained, that the moment you find the pearl, you need to immediately throw out all of the waste and all of those pebbles. Says the Rebbe, the same thing is true at the end of the Birurim of this whole Golos, and the Geul of this last Golos, Golos Edoin, which is compared to the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, to Meitzayis Chameret Mitzrayim, Adenon of Lois, that as soon as the time comes, Miyad Heinigol and the Yidin are redeemed immediately, all Yidin go out of all lands and come with Mashiach, to the land upon which the Abishta's eyes are constantly all the time, the Gaula Amitizva Shlema Bukarev Mamash.